What do this Alabama team and me in ninth grade have in common? Well, that's when we both hit a growth spurt. You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. I'm still fired up, Jimmy. I told you just that second, like, college football finals coming on, and we said, well, we're going to go ahead and do it. So I got to pause it because I still want to watch it live. I, I mean, like, I, I'm watching all these highlights again as they're coming on. Like, I know I could rewind it and watch the game anytime I want to or go to any highlights, but, man, I'm so pumped again. And this is what I was talking about, guys. This is what I was talking about when I said this game is – Giving me some nostalgia in the sense that, look, I know it's been fun. The joyless murder ball thing is fun. That's what we do. We love it. We've enjoyed 16 years of it. I'm, I'm right there with you. But there's something about not knowing if you're going to win and then winning. And then uh, you're just so excited. I mean, it's been one of it's been a minute since we've had a game <laughs> like that. So this is very reminiscent to me of something like uh, really any Gene Stallings game when I was in college or. Alabama, Florida, 2005, even though we whipped the heck out of them. Or LSU, Bama, 1998, um, at that game when uh, we beat LSU in Baton Rouge and we'd have an onside kick and a bunch of funky stuff happening. I, I'm still giddy. I mean, like, I woke up and I'm like, I can't believe we won that game. It's just – it's a great feeling, Jimmy. Well, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm really excited about uh, what's to come. Because that's whenever you win a big game like this, then you can see, wow, we just earned bigger games. You know, that that game was big because it's on the road. We're only a two-point favorite, I think, at kick, which in Alabama speak means we were sort of like a huge underdog, frankly. I mean, uh, Alabama two-point favorite sort of means like that's everybody else's nine-point underdog game. And, and Alabama won. Now you've earned the right for remaining games to be bigger, the LSU game bigger. I mean, in terms of winning the West, Tennessee game probably bigger, Auburn at the end a week before the SEC championship game. You want to go into the SEC championship game, Luke. I think now a goal or a hope, because we're dependent a little bit on outcomes of other games. Now you're hoping, Luke, that you go to Atlanta assuming that happens because there's five big SEC games left, but assuming that happens, now there's a hope that's legitimate that you go to Atlanta with the idea that if you win in Atlanta, you make the playoff. Okay. I don't so, think there's any question. If you win, if you win out, you're in. I mean, a hundred percent. I don't care what all this other stuff is because you played Texas, you played a, a good AM team, you played a ranked Ole Miss, you would have played a good LSU team. Um, you would have beaten a Georgia, you know. There, so yeah, Alabama's getting in with one loss. We certainly know that. Probably, and, probably, or I would say. I'm going to use the term almost, certainly, almost. But this is a weird year. It's early. There's a lot of losing left to do. But we got undefeated ACC teams. We got undefeated Pac-12 teams. We got undefeated Big Ten teams. And we got undefeated Big 12 teams. So so uh, right now, I mean, you have to assume, again, almost certainly. But when you lose a game, you do put yourself in the position of needing other games to have certain outcomes to, to get to get it to fall the way you want it to fall. But what Alabama earned yesterday, hard earned, was the right to 
now we can now we can see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Now there is the possibility that you play Georgia with winter heading to the playoff, like 2021. Sort of like it's already an expanded playoff, to be honest. But uh, anywho, uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, it'd be a quarter final. It'd be a quarter final. So let's talk about the growth of this team. You know, uh, Avery Johnson used to very famously say, "This is a tale of two halves," and I think that this game was sort of that. Uh, there, there was one spark in the first half. Of course, Jalen Rose passed to Isaiah Bond. Isaiah Bond was so freaking open that he almost they almost boofed the connection. I mean, like Isaiah Bond's already got his feet tangled up. The pass wasn't a hundred percent perfect, um, but it was it worked out right. But the second half, I mean, it's like Milro came out and and the defense came out and said, "Okay, we're going to do our thing." Now, the rest of y'all, please get on board. And I think for the most part, they did. I think most everybody stepped their game up a notch in the second half. Now, the running game never got going. And that's a mystery a little bit. Let's 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 say this. Texas A&M's defensive line is full of NFL dudes. They're not giving the production necessarily or giving the intimidation and don't have the reputation of, say, some Alabama defensive lines in the early 2010s, they, they don't have that that rep because they Texas A&M and like Alabama was. So I think if Alabama if Texas A&M were winning, the first thing you want to do is diagnose why are they winning so much? Oh, their defense is awesome. It's sparked mostly by the defensive line. If A&M were winning, I think people would say, "Oh my God, these guys are fools." I mean, they're crazy good. But uh, I I'm not super mad about the running game. I'm not super mad at the offensive line for not making the running game go. A&M's defensive line and, and their defensive front, really, back to the linebackers, all awesome. But you got to get – I saw one of our old offensive linemen, and I won't say who it is, tweeted out that our offensive line stinks. Look, I, I'm for older players, first of all, getting on current players to try and keep this rolling, to try and, you know, to have some pride, whatever. I don't think that's constructive criticism, though. I don't think that helps. Right. And I don't think it's true because if you're going to say they stink, you're saying they stink in all facets of the game. Number one, I don't think they stunk at all yesterday. I think that they were up against a very immovable force on the, in the running side, but then the passing game while Alabama gave up a lot of sacks, you know, a couple of those sacks, by the way, were cause Milrow didn't throw it away. Let's, let's say that. And number two, man, we went off for 300 something yards passing. So, I mean, he had some time and a lot of those were deep passes. He had some time. Now, he didn't have it all the time. Again, he's going up against a great defensive front. And so I think the offensive line is getting criticized a little unfairly in this game. Milrow's the hero. Uh, the defense is the hero. But the offensive line deserves a, a, at least a pat on the butt, don't you think? Well, it's not like they did 100% of the things they did wrong. They did uh, uh, exactly. some, some, some plays were blocked really well. Milrow could not have put up the numbers he put up without – some quality pass protection at times. Uh, I, I still think, and again, I, I've yet to rewatch it. I will do that throughout the week. Uh, but I don't feel like some of the time, for instance, I thought AM's most disruptive player in the front seven, the one that we continually had trouble with that was always making plays, was Cooper, who's a linebacker. He blitzed a lot, you know, and whenever the offensive line has trouble dealing with the blitz, it's not always specifically the offensive line's fault. Sometimes that can be the quarterback, which I think is another step that Milrow has to make in his progression, his pre-snap reads. Uh, secondly, it could be the running back who fails to pick up 
the player. Or sometimes the offensive line can be confused as to who has who. That happens all the time. What, what I'm telling folks is this. As bad as they look at times all year and as bad as they looked at times yesterday, I still think there aren't a lot of instances of Alabama offensive linemen getting physically whipped. Like, they're just not good enough to block a Texas A&M player or an Ole Miss player or Mississippi State player. That's not it. I conversely, think it's mostly- Jimmy, I'm sorry to cut you off, but conversely, at the end of the game, especially on the sack before the safety, conversely, okay. Alabama's defensive front knocked two Texas A&M offensive linemen. I'm talking about on their backs, dead Backside. cockroach style. And right. they just ran slap over them. That didn't happen to Alabama offensive line. That's a great point. Correct. No, no, correct. That's exactly what I'm saying. So, and uh, further to compliment exactly that group that you're talking about there, I, I want to point out to everybody that because we talked all week that the biggest matchup in the game was Alabama's offensive line versus Texas A&M's defensive line. That was the big thing we talked about all week. How could Alabama survive that matchup? The fact is, in the second half of this game, as Luke said, the tale of two halves, the Avery Johnson tale of two halves thing is that in the second half, Alabama's defensive line played every bit or more dominantly than the Texas A&M defensive line did. Alabama's four stars sort of outplaying Texas A&M's five stars, or at least playing well, this thing, <laughs> but uh, or at least playing them to uh, to a draw. Uh, they, they were a hero in the game to me as Alabama's defensive line. Tim Keenan, Justin Aboigby, and Tim Smith all playing fantastic games, those three. Oh, man, they played so well. And, you know, what does scare me a little bit, um, mm-hmm. a Boydby, Turner, Braswell, they're all gone next year, right? Um, most likely. Uh, okay. They they all three have the eligibility to return. Oh, do they? Uh, okay. I, yeah, but I, I I don't think any of them. I think turn, I think they're all just headed to the NFL. A Boydby, I mean, we'll talk about this a whole lot more in December, January, February, but – a boy B may suffer the same problem that DJ Dale and, and Emil Echior did a year ago in this sense that his medical jacket is going to, there's going to be some significance to that injury he suffered last year to yeah. where some NFL teams will be like, Hey, you know what? Let's not use a draft pick on a guy that, that may not medically be, be cleared or, 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 or could shortly, I mean, his medical thing will be a problem. It will definitely drop him. I mean, I, I think a completely healthy Aboigby never been injured before kind of guy as a third round pick, maybe even day two, maybe. But uh, he's day three, absolutely at best with that injury history. Well, Jimmy, when we come back, um, want to talk a little bit more about uh, the plays of the game. But right now, I want to tell everybody that this time for the game changer of the week, and that's brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company, much like. Boy, I kind of want to sneak Jermaine Burton in there, but I got to go Jalen Milrow. I'm going to go Jalen Milrow. Much like Jalen Milrow, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. These things are absolutely delicious. They're fun. Uh, They've got like a new Halloween-type brew out there that looks awesome. Uh, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good, full flavor, well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. Their brews are great tasting and award 
award-winning and beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, golden, sours, and more. They're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety. And one of those is that new Halloween one that I just talked about because I got an email for it, so I know it's going to be good. I'm going to try that. They're fit for all time, so you can drink them anytime, anywhere, and make any activity even more enjoyable, like watching a big game or your kid's game, tackling work or working out, whatever. No hangovers. You can find athletic uh, brewing in-store, online, and at bars around the country. They're the fastest-growing non-alcoholic brewery in the U.S., so get on board right now. You can find athletic brewing companies, non-alcoholic brews, at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company is fit for all times. Oh, man, I'm still so fired up. Um, uh-huh. So, that was in uh, kind of Antonio London jumping off sides so that it disrupts George Teague's maybe greatest NFL, uh, college football player of all time, play of all time kind of thing in 92 Sugar Bowl. Um, Chris Braswell blocking the field goal, picking it up on a bounce. The cameraman wasn't as fast as Chris Braswell. We hadn't seen a good angle of it yet. Um, right. So he's he gets the block. It, and I remember thinking the camera panned up so quickly, but I'm like, I heard a second thud. You know, that's what special teams coaches always say they love is that second thud because you hear the thud of the kick and then the thud of the block. I heard the second thud, and I was like, okay, well, they're still showing the kick. Well, then – Alabama's taking it back the other way. Chris Braswell picked it up on a one hop. The officials wrongly, criminally, sadly, disgustingly called a a blindside block. Just a heinous, horrendous, terrible call that just no place for that in college athletics. I'm sorry. Uh, People may think I'm going overboard with this. That was stupid. It's, it's, it's against the spirit of the rule. This ain't like there was a call later where I think maybe a Boygby or, or, or maybe Otis, I can't remember, actually like put their hand on the helmet, like trying to block the pass, put kind of got their hand on the helmet of um, Max Johnson. And it didn't hurt him, but it's, it's considered, you know, hands to the help rough in the pass or whatever it is, illegal use of hands, whatever it is. And I get that. That's okay. It's not really. It didn't hurt him, but you're trying to keep players from hitting quarterbacks, especially in the helmet. I get that. What that call was, was awful. It's reprimandable to me. I don't know why a the SEC officiating office can't reprimand that guy. I'm, it was potentially very game-changing. And not in a way that, like, you're like, oh, you could have called pass interference there. No, it's on a play like late in the game, like Tennessee, that, that call was also bogus. We all know this, but pass interference is kind of subjective. This shouldn't be subjective. That was clearly not something that should be called. And I'm so mad about it. It Rob Braswell of two games in a row with a touchdown, by the way, he should be pissed. Um, but whatever, that was a huge play. Alabama did get the ball back and A&M didn't get any closer to Alabama. Yeah, it didn't change the outcome, but that 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 play could have easily changed the outcome of the entire game. Uh, it really Alabama had pretty much if you if that's a touchdown when it should have been, the game may have been in, in essence over at that point. But because it wasn't ruled a touchdown, 
And uh, I, I, that, that could have easily changed the whole outcome in Texas A&M's favor. Uh, I, I'm 100 a, percent a with Luke. Uh, it never should have been called. It was it's not the spirit of the rule. To me, it would sort of like, well, you know, the police, uh, you know, they, they have a guy they want to arrest <laughs> yeah. and they're looking for a reason to arrest him. And then they find by searching a video, they find, uh, they, oh, here, oh, here, we can arrest him for jaywalking. He crossed against a light and that is against the law. So let's arrest him. Fact is, though, actually, he started crossing the intersection uh, while he was allowed to. He, he, it was just like he only made it halfway across because he mistimed his walk. So he didn't actually he didn't actually do what they should never have arrested him for. They should never arrest him for it in the first place. I'm not sure it was actually a blindside block. It was what? it was arguably maybe. But as I've pointed out on 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 Twitter or whatever we're calling it now this morning, the player did not even fall down. That's that's why you have blindside block. That's why it's, it, it can it can lead to I'll tell you why, because we've been guilty of this before. Before it was a rule, what Quentin Dow did to Aaron Murray, I think it was way back in yeah. 2012. 2012. That shouldn't be that shouldn't be part of college football. And I'm not taking a shot at Quentin Dow, and I'm not taking a shot at Alabama. I'm just saying that was a blindside block. It was not illegal at the time, but that play probably helped lead to the idea down the road that, hey, we're going to make that illegal. That's unnecessary violence. Uh, and I get that. So in today's world, Quentin Dow would be called for that. And, and as far as I'm concerned, ejected, that would be fine too. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here to talk about that hit, but I'm just bringing it up as that's why we don't have this hit. The Dallas Turner play was not even a third cousin to that hit. Uh, it, it wasn't, the violence was G-rated Disney, not Quentin Tarantino in Pulp Fiction meets The Hateful Eight. I mean, and here's the, you know. here's the thing, Jimmy. If you don't make that call, okay? If you don't make that call, I think Alabama fans don't complain about all the other calls Alabama got against them that game because we're like, look, a lot of them were false starts and legit. I mean, some of them you could have said maybe AM was clapping or simulating the snap or whatever they do. Because uh, I saw that call a lot, by the way, where this delay game or false start on the defense. You know, I'd never seen that before, but they when they simulate snap. Um, but I saw it like four or five times across. But because you made that call, you run extra scrutiny yourself across the board. If you don't, you don't make that stupid, ill-informed, terrible call. You probably don't even get. You're probably like, "Hey, y'all called a, a decent game," but now because you made such a moronic call, I think you set yourself up to as an official to be like scrutinized the rest of the game and be like, "Okay, um, next time, buddy, you know what game you get to do? Van the Army." That's what you get to do. You get to do the nine o'clock Van the Armory game on Hallmark, and we're going to pay you $1,500 less, you know, or whatever you do. Uh, because he, that guy, whoever made that call, I, I mean, I'm, I'm all for scrutinizing his whole bank account. There's something <laughs> wrong with that man. There's something wrong with look, that you man. Make, that call. You make a, a great point about how, Hey, look! If if that if the if the flag's never thrown, is A and M complaining today? Is A and M like there was a blindside block on that? Did you yeah. see? I think what A and M might have said was, "Hey, was that a block in the back?" 
and then they rewind it and they watch it real slow and see it wasn't a block in the back. And they're like, oh, well, I guess it's nothing. Yeah. So A&M wouldn't even be complaining if, if that flag had never been thrown. Because, again, it, it, it was probably not even a blindside block. But if that, it was – it just wasn't violent enough. The, the point of the rule is to legislate violence, unnecessary violence, out of the game, which is laudable and a good idea. I'm not saying we shouldn't have the rule. I'm just saying that ain't it. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, no, that We're saying the same thing because I'm with you on the Quentin Dial thing because there'll be some people going, what about Quentin Dial back in 2012? Yeah. I don't know. Why is it whenever we talk about what other people say, we always give them this voice? What, what about that? Because <laughs> that's what they are. That's how everyone else sounds in the world but me and you. <laughs> so well, what about Quentin Dial? Well, first of all, that rule wasn't in place then. Correct. Um, and secondly, we admit – Okay, that's that doesn't need to be in the game. Now, we'd also admit that coaches throughout time until that point had always said, when you get a chance to lay out the quarterback, you lay out the quarterback. When you get a chance right. to put tape on your ear to keep your earphone in, you put tape on your ear to keep your earphone in. That's what I tell Jimmy every time right. before this podcast. Well, Dallas Turner keeps hitting me. Dallas Turner keeps hitting me from behind and knocking it out. That's You know what? I would argue that his blindside block wouldn't have even knocked hit that tight end's ear out. Of it. And you know who it was? It was Matt Johnson's brother, I think, that, that got hit, right? I think I think that's exactly what it was. And, uh, yeah, yeah, your your takes are so hot, my earpiece keeps falling out. That's what it is. <laughs> All right. I need to – when we come back, we're going to talk about – we're going to talk about some unsung heroes in this game because there are some of them. Uh, oh, there are a lot of – look, that – Boy, as Alabama fans, does, does any group of, of, of fans ever like to talk about unsung heroes more than we do? I know we do. Like, we always talk about, yeah, Milrow did this, or even back when, you know, yeah, Tua did this and Jerry Judy did that, but there's always, like, some play that we can always find and uh, talk about the unsung heroes. But right now, I need to tell everybody about eBay Motors. You know you love eBay Motors. I love eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered, bruh. With over 120 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit or your or for your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, you're not burning cash. With all those parts you need and all those prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that big old win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. eBay guaranteed fit only for U.S. customers. Gosh, I wonder how many non-U.S. customers like we have listening. You know, um, like, is there know. somebody in – they probably Colossal. all speak in that voice. They're probably all speaking that voice. They're probably all speaking that voice you were talking about earlier. That's what all foreigners sound like. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, let's talk about some unsung heroes. Uh, I, I'm blown away that the first uh, – when I put this topic up, when I'm doing this little template, and I put this, this, this template up, and the first thing I thought when I typed unsung heroes, you know, the name I thought of was Jamirian Latham. I don't know why, because I looked at his stats, zeros across the board. But I saw there was one play in there. There was one play in there, and I'm going to have to go back and find it. Where I remember I was watching it with two buddies that were a lot like me, by the way. Uh, and and they're, they're like, you know, they can be 
in the game, we're a little bit more analytical. Like we get excited, but in the game, we're very analytical even. Um, and so it was fun watching with them. But uh, in the game, Jamarian Lathan did something. I just don't remember what it is, Jimmy. I remember like, oh, that was a good play by Jamarian Latham. I can't remember where it is. So I can't wait to rewatch the game and find out where it is. But that's the first name that came, dropped into my mind when I thought of Unsung Heroes. Then uh, two others I'll throw out there, and then I'll let you just talk about it. Um, I think Tim Keenan. Now, he may not be an unsung hero, but I think here's the thing. I've heard a lot of people today on message boards, on our podcast, on other podcasts, on TV, talk about, you know, Alabama's defensive front really came to play. Those guys up there, Braswell and Turner and Aboigby, they came to play, and they did. There's no doubt about it. They were awesome. Tim Keenan was a man. Tim Keenan got out. He was moving around. He was like um, a more fit and bowling ballish Terrence Cody to me. He was getting after it. He was pretty quick. Um, he led the team in tackles. Did you know that? He had. Uh, uh, I did know that, and that's amazing for a defensive tackle nose guard. That you, you almost never ever see that happen. He had twelve tackles, and I just heard something last night. Uh, they were talking about Howard Cross's son for Notre Dame. Right. And they were like, at the time, they said he was the – now, the, I have no idea if this is true. So, please, don't shoot the messenger. But they said this on the Notre Dame-Louisville game because I was like, dang, I wish we had Howard Cross's son. I remember Howard Cross playing at Alabama. I wish we had his son. They said Howard Cross is the only defensive lineman to record double-digit tackles. Um, only defensive lineman, like true interior lineman to record double-digit tackles this year. That sounds weird, like in Division right. One. That sounds weird, or maybe they may I'm not. I'm not shocked at that. I mean, I'm, it, that's surprising because there's so many games played. Right. But it just shows how rare and, and crazy it is that any down interior lineman would have well, double-digit he tackles. Keenan had 12. He had eight uh, – Combine eight. What do you uh, eight, eight total? Oh no, he didn't have twelve. Sorry, I screwed that up. He had eight. He had eight. Close. He had eight. I thought he had very close. Very close to very close to double digits. I got two unsung heroes. I got two unsung heroes. uh, Quickly, Um, one is Malachi Moore was hurt uh, and injured very early in the game. Uh, When that happens, we we have to do a little musical chairs on the back end. But the end result of Malachi Moore being hurt meant that for well over a half. Uh, if not three quarters of the game, Trey Amos played corner and Trey Amos played corner, meaning he had to uh, he had to defend uh, in one on one coverage often. Uh, Evan Stewart, Moose oh. Muhammad, Noah Thomas. Oh, and he and he gave up virtually nothing. And you would know this is the way football works, by the way, for the for the for those. I know everybody that listens. To this show knows how football works. But when Malachi Moore comes out and we got to put in a corner that doesn't normally play. The offensive coordinator is up in the in the booth screaming, we got to go after nine. We're going after nine. Nine is who we're going after. Because what's your other option? The other corner is Kool-Aid, okay? <laughs> Why on earth would you ever attack Kool-Aid's corner when you have Tramus? Now, I get, hey, when it's Kool-Aid and Terion, it's kind of pick your poison, right? But Terion's got to switch inside and play star when Malachi's out. That meant Trey Amos was on the corner. You might not have seen him every snap, but he was out there. And the reason you didn't see him is because he was getting his guy covered. So he didn't have a big stat line either, no interceptions, anything like that. But Trey Amos playing almost three quarters of the game for Malachi and having to play cornerback against an outstanding core of wide receivers, that makes him an unsung hero. And uh, one more, and I had a really good one. Oh, yeah, Jace. You know, we didn't run the ball well at all. 
Not, uh, not at all. Sure. It, it, it's a little bit of what we need to work on this week is we've got to run the ball better or we're not going to get to Georgia 11 and one. We've got to run the ball better. But Jace, uh, who was part of not running the ball well, the catch that he made to extend the final possession helped save the game because that was just a fantastic play to, to catch the ball and, and to not be down and to give us an extra set of downs. That was just awesome. And secondly, there were a couple of times when I specifically saw Jace pick up a blitz that allowed Jalen Milrow to complete his big plays because we had several plays we we uh, completed downfield uh, that were great throws that never would have happened if Jace didn't properly pick up the blitzer and get him blocked. We've struggled with that some this year. Oh, yeah. Jace did a pretty good job, at least on a few passes that I specifically saw where I was like, oh, great job, Jace, in terms of picking up a blitzer. So those are two unsung heroes to me of the game, Jace and Trey Amos. Great call on Jace and the blitz pickup, because I meant to talk about that, because the guys I was with are like me. We're in the Justice Haynes fan club. We want to see more Justice Haynes. I'm not sure this is the game we needed Justin Zanes out there trying to pick up blitzes because they were coming. They were coming yeah. all the time. And we couldn't run. Exactly. And I don't think Justin Zanes – Justin Zanes may have gotten a few extra yards. Justin Zanes wasn't going to break one because I'm not sure Herschel Walker would have broken one. So – what we needed was a dude that could pick up the blitz. And Jace did that beautifully on a few times. And then I choose, I've decided, I slept on this. I thought about it last night and I said, I'm going to sleep on it before I make my call. I choose to believe Jace juggled that ball on purpose. I choose to believe <laughs> that. You will not convince me differently. Uh, that was smart football, as we all say here in the business. And um, yeah, I think Jace definitely meant to do that. Um, and, I'll tell you what, here's the other thing. Can you imagine? What if Jace drops it? Okay, first of oh, all, it was a bad pass. Because it was a bad pass because he's under duress. What if Jace drops it? Then the clock stops. What if Jace just gets it, catches it and, and falls down? Okay, the clock keeps going, but obviously we don't get the first down. I mean, they have a shot. Um, and the way things are going, who knows? And those two things make me want, or what if it was picked off? Because by the way, he was under duress, bad pass. There could have easily been somebody over there because they were coming. It, the fact that Jace did what he did takes a lot of heat off Tommy Reese. Tommy oh, Reese no called, called a pretty good game. He called a pretty good game, especially considering what we're facing. But calling a pass right there with that particular quarterback was risky. I love Jalen Milrow. He's growing, He like we said, but calling that particular play in that moment was very risky, but it worked out. Oh, no so, doubt. So, um, all right, that's going to do it for today's podcast, man. Thank you all for listening. Look, go uh, sign up here for our subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnBama. It's only like $4.99 a month, and, and Jimmy texts a lot, and I text some, and uh, Jimmy does a marvelous job with that. So go sign up, please, please. I'll put it up there again and beg you. Join subtext.com slash locked on Bama. You know, you can't how, – how, how are Jimmy and I supposed to keep our hair looking like this if y'all don't help us out? Exactly. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for today's podcast. Man, thank you guys so much. I'm so fired up. I wish somebody just text me today and tell me they're fired up. Jimmy, text me later and tell me you're fired up. Well, uh, sign, up for, sign up for subtext. <laughs> That's Jimmy. Jimmy has started charging me by the text, like not even subtext, just just regular text. Like I can't wait to answer your query when you send me that one dollar. Um, all right, that's gonna do it. Roll tight, everybody.
Roll Tide.